Our first message this afternoon is from Pastor Steve Andrews. His message is entitled, The Handwriting is on the Wall, Daniel Part 3. Well, greetings to all that are here, and greetings to anyone that's tuning in today. We um, hope that you're blessed by the messages. The handwriting is on the wall. I, I should have realized the handwriting is on the wall when we had our baby uh, grandchild. Um, it's always difficult sometimes to uh, foresee all of the things that they need to have done before you have to leave, like getting them dressed and changing them. And I remember one time when we were trying to get ready for services when our kids were yet little, I went through two suits trying to get ready for services. So. I'll let you know what babies can do. <laughs> it was uh, an interesting, uh, as I was thinking about this, uh, the handwriting is on the wall is a very ancient saying. I think it's probably still used today. Uh, kind of gives a connotation of maybe bad things coming. Sometimes maybe corporations might say it, Hey, the, the writing's on the wall if, if they're about ready to declare bankruptcy. The writing's on the wall if they're about ready to be bought out. I've been there before. I know what that's all about. It seems like this ancient statement here has a, a great deal of connotation. And it's interesting... As I'm picking up Daniel, the third chapter, it, it was, uh, sometimes we have a tendency to write, read through things real quickly. And I, the fifth chapter, actually, Daniel, the fifth chapter, this is the part three of Daniel, and I actually am on Daniel, the fifth chapter. So if I said three, I'm sorry. Um, this uh, idea of racing back to church kind of got me either all excited or kind of, uh, discombobulated. Anyway, this is a this 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 chapter's. As I stopped and, and thought about it, there's some interesting things in this chapter that really kind of stood out that I didn't see before, and I don't think I've thought about them very much before. And and maybe you have, and and it's. Um, uh, so as we go through this, maybe you'll think about this. Belshazzar, that's the first one. Belshazzar, king, I'm going to read through the first seven verses here, or six verses. Um, Belshazzar, uh, the king made a great feast to thousands of his lords and drank wine before thousands. Belshazzar, while he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the golden and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple which was in Jerusalem, that the king and the princes and his wives and his concubines might drink therein. Then they brought the golden vessels uh, that were taken out of the temple of the house of God, which was in Jerusalem. And the king and his princes, his wives and his concubines, drank in them. And they drank wine and praised the gods of gold, and silver, and brass, iron, and wood, and stone. And if you know where those are, are found in the scriptures. 
praising gods that don't exist. In the same hour came forth the fingers of a man's hand and wrote opposite the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. The king's countenance was changed. His thoughts troubled him so that his joints of his loins were loosened and his knees smote one against another. We know what happens when your joints are loosened, so I'm not going to go into that. That uh, is not uh, something we want to talk about. But it's interesting that it scared him. And, uh, this guy, Bel- Belshazzar, not uh, Belteshazzar, which is, was Daniel's uh, Babylonian name. Belshazzar, Babylonian king, and this, uh, by the way, uh, this is who's in the Bible. Uh, I never can remember all of the different dates and times. And I'm not sure much of the there's in here in the dates, but it does give a good, interesting opening about Belshazzar, Babylonian king who's co-regent with. Uh, I'm trying to figure out how to how to pronounce this. Nabonidus, Nabonidus, the final days of the Babylonian Empire. His name means. Bell, protect the king. And so, uh, paganism right there. Daniel identifies him as the son of Nebuchadnezzar. Though, in fact, he was the natural son of uh, Nebuad, or Nebuadus, Nebuadus. The seeming discrepancy arises from the fact that the Hebrew literature father may signify ancestor or predecessor or and son, may designate descendant or successor in office, and some have concluded that Belshazzar's mother was a daughter of Nebuchadnezzar, and that Belshazzar was therefore the grandson of the great Babylonian. Clearly his father, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, was the son of the nobleman and the high uh, priestess of the moon god of, uh, at Haram, uh, Nebuchadnezzar and the had usurped the throne in 55 B.C., or 555 B.C. A greater difficulty in the biblical text is the fact that Daniel presents Belshazzar as the king of Babylon when it fell uh, to the Persians, whereas secular historical records picture Nebuchadnezzar or uh, Nebuchadnezzar as the last king of the Babylonian Empire. Critical scholars have therefore questioned Daniel's accuracy Inscriptions have now been found, however, which make it clear that Belshazzar's father entrusted the rule of the capital to him and was out of the city for over 10 years campaigning in Arabia. Religious concerns also took Nebuchadnezzar out of Babylon during part of the reign. And when Cyrus invaded the Babylonian Empire, Nebuchadnezzar marched east to meet him but fled before Cyrus' advancing armies. Later, he returned to Babylon and surrendered to the Persians after the city had already fallen to Cyrus. Thus, he was out of the city when the Persians overcame the royal forces and there were under the command of Belshazzar and the crown prince and co-regents. So now you know at what position he was holding in, in the Babylonian kingdom. And, 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 what, uh, and even though it talks about uh, the different relationships, I, I think he was... The, the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar. So we, I think we could probably uh, say that. And so <clears throat> when this hand came out, we know that he was extremely excited. <laughs> no less. If anybody, 
see the hand coming out, and, and there it is. And it's got the writing on the wall. And so, we know, after he changed his clothes, the king cried aloud, verse 7, to, to bring the astrologers and the Chaldeans and the soothsayers, and the, and the king spoke and said to the wise men of Babylon, Whosoever shall read this writing and show me the interpretation thereof shall be clothed with scarlet and have a chain of gold about his neck and shall be the third ruler to the kingdom. And let's see, I'm going to go ahead and read through, uh, let's see, verse, I think through verse 12 here. And then came the king's wise men, but they could not read the writing nor make known the king's interpretation thereof. Then was the king Belshazzar greatly troubled, and his countenance was changed in him, and his lords were astonished. We're going to find something interesting out here about where Daniel was and how he had very little respect for this particular king. Now the queen, which would, would be, uh, I think, his mother, um, the, king, the queen would have been the, the, uh, not his queen because he was out partying with all his wives and all of the concubines and had everybody out there drinking wine and drinking out of the cups and stuff. So it was not his wife, it was the queen mother. And she spoke and said, O king, live forever. Let not your thoughts trouble you, nor let your countenance be changed. There is a man in whom the kingdom, uh, in your kingdom, in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. In the days of your father, uh, light and understanding and wisdom like the wisdom of the gods was found in him, whom the king Nebuchadnezzar, your father, the king, I say, your father, made master of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and the soothsayers. And so you see right there, Daniel didn't show up. <laughs> I don't think he wanted to come. He wasn't interested in, in giving this particular prophecy. He was, even though he was over them, all of them went, oh, y'all go and you know, tell him and find out what it is all about. But the queen came, and so, uh, one more verse here. For as much then as excellent spirit and knowledge and understanding, interpreting of dreams, showing of hard sentences and dissolving um, of doubts were found in the, name, in the same Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will show the interpretation. Now before we go on with Daniel's uh, showing up and going through that particular part. I didn't give this to Brian, but I'd like to go to the prophecy about this particular situation and what was going to happen. And it's found in Jeremiah, the 25th chapter. And I, I think it's, it probably lays a pretty good stage here for understanding at what situation they were, what, what time, because God was, even though God had that, them captured, he was still with them. The prophecy had already been laid out, and the timeline was beginning to come to fruition. And so God is, is very much involved in this. So in chapter 25 of Jeremiah, we read, The word that came to Jeremiah concerning all the people of Judah in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of jo Josiah, king of Judah, that was the first year of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, in which Jeremiah the prophet spoke to all the people of Judah and to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, saying, From the thirteenth year of Josiah, the son of Ammon,
king of Judah even to this day. That is three and twenty, uh, three and twenty years, twentieth uh, year. The word of the Lord has come to me, and I have spoken to you, rising early and speaking, but you have not hearkened. And the Lord has sent to you all his servants and the prophets, rising early, sending them. But you have not hearkened, nor inclined your ear to hear. They said, turn you again. Now, every one from his evil way and from the evil of your doings. And dwell in the land that the Lord has given to you and to your fathers and to ever, uh, forever and ever. And so, God set Israel in the land, by the way. Now, this business with all of this controversy over there. It was God that made the decision to put Israel in, in the land. And so Jerusalem and Israel is in that area is, is theirs. That's where God set them. And go not after other gods to serve them and to worship them and provoke me not to anger with the works of your hands and I will do you no hurt. Yet you have not hearkened to me, said the Lord. They were a stiff-necked people. They would not listen. That you might provoke me to anger with the works of your hands to your own hurt. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, because you have not heard my words, behold, I will send and take all the families of the north, says the Lord. And Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, will bring them against the land and against the inhabitants thereof and against all the nations around about and it will utterly destroy them and make them an astonishment and a hissing and a perpetual desolations. It's interesting that God can use uh, what we would consider a kind of an evil king to essentially spank Israel, is what, what it amounted to, by what he did, what he allowed to happen by the capture of, of the, the Jewish nation and and taking them into Babylon. He said, Moreover, I will take from them the voice of mirth, the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom, the voice of the bride, the sound of the millstones, and the light of the candle. And this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon seventy years. And so here we have the timeline. The timeline that is going to to, to be transpired. They serve the king of Babylon 70 years. And it shall come to pass when the 70 years are accomplished thy, that I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, says the Lord, for their iniquity in the land of the Chaldeans. And I will make it a perpetual desolation. And I will bring upon the land all my words which I have pronounced against it, even all that is written in this book which Jeremiah has prophesied against all the nations. For many nations and great kings shall serve themselves, and them also will I recompense them according to their deeds and according to the works of their hands. And so we see the prophecy that was about to become fulfilled in this particular instance. And we know that that uh, was, was going to happen. And so we see, uh, now we, we know that Daniel's been called. Daniel is going to come and he's going to, to, to make a pronouncement about it. But... It's pretty obvious Daniel is not excited about going before this particular king. Uh, so then Daniel was Daniel brought in before the king, and the king spoke and said, Daniel, are you that Daniel which are the children of captivity of Judah, whom the king my father brought out of Judah, Jewelry? And I've heard of you that, 
the spirit of the gods. I'll pick this back up on, um, on verse 13, of course, and then this verse 14. I even heard of you that the spirit of the gods is in you, and that the light and understanding of excellent wisdom is found in you. And now the wise men and astrologers have been brought in before me that they should read this writing, make known to me the interpretation thereof, but they could not show the interpretation of the things. And I've heard of you that you can make interpretations and dissolve doubts. Now, if you can read the writing, make known to me the interpretation thereof, you shall be clothed with scarlet and have a chain of gold that your neck shall be around your neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Now, the reason why he's the third is because his Belteshazzar's father is out fighting. The Belteshazzar sitting on the throne, Daniel would have been the third in that in succession. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, let your gifts be to yourself and give your rewards to another. Now, if you have been observant when he went before Nebuchadnezzar, he did honor him. Remember, O king, he has absolutely no honor for this king. He has absolutely no honor for this king. And the reason why is, by the time it has come down to this one, he is a very foolish individual. And while his dad is out trying to fight for the country, he is out partying with all of the elites, all of his elites in the thing. They're out partying, drinking, and having a merry time, and using all of the vessels of the temple out in Jerusalem to do it. And so Daniel now is going to give him a history lesson. <laughs> Daniel, Daniel is going to give him a history lesson because Daniel knows that this is a situation that the time is about up. The time is about up. He says, uh, let your gifts be to yourself. And give your rewards to another. Yet I will read the writing to the king and make known to him the interpretation. You, O king, O you, king, the most holy God gave Nebuchadnezzar, your father, a kingdom and just and majesty and glory and honor. And by the way, this is interesting. If, if you have a Bible that kind of marks out or has a, some markings about the Most High God. This is in Aramaic. It is not in Hebrew. And so, it comes out, Elahai Iliai. Elahai Iliai. And so, it, it's interesting that instead of using, which would probably have been uh, um, that Hebrew uh, name for God, he used the Aramaic name. So even in Daniel, it looks like we can do some, uh, we can use different interpretation based on the language and based on different things that, that come up. And he was honoring God. He was telling him exactly what he needed to understand about this. So he gave Nebuchadnezzar, your father, a kingdom and majesty and glory and honor. And for the majesty that he gave him, all the people, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him whom he, would, he slew. 
and whom he would, he kept alive. And whom he would, he set upon, and whom he would, he put down. Now Daniel's standing before a king, uh, uh, and he still had some power at the particular time that he was standing before him. But Daniel was not afraid of this particular individual because he knew what was about to come about. But when his heart was lifted up and his mind hardened to pride, he was deposed from his kingly throne and they took his glory from him. He was driven from the sons of men and his heart was made like the beast. His dwelling was with the wild asses and they fed him with grass like the oxen and his body was wet as the dew in the heavens till he knew that the most high God ruled in the kingdom of men and that he appoints over it whomsoever he will. And you... His son, O Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, though you knew all of this. I am sure Daniel probably said it just like that. <laughs> I don't think he held back on this guy. And you, you read it, you realize, Daniel, man, he was really forceful. He was ready to just give it to him because he knew what was going to happen. He knew the prophecies were being fulfilled. He knew it was coming to an end. And he was not afraid of what he was going to say. Now, this guy was crazy enough anyway. As long as you interpret what's up there, I'm going to give you the kingdom. So, anyway. But have lifted up yourself against the Lord of heaven... They have brought the vessels of his house before you, and you and your lords and your wives and your concubines have drunk wine in them, and you have praised the gods of silver and gold and brass and iron and wood and stone, which see not, nor hear not, nor know, and God in whom your hand, your breath is, and whose are all your ways you have not glorified. And so Daniel preaches a sermon to this guy. And he tells him, this is what you've done. And this is, it's interesting that when we go back and we look at prophecies and we look at different things that have happened in the past, we're, we have to ask ourselves, do we see the handwriting on the wall sometimes? Are we aware of what's going on in the world that we live in? Uh, are we destined to repeat the history that has been very well laid out over the thousands of years, both in the Bible and common history. Common history. <clears throat> common history. <clears throat> Are we destined to repeat the problems that we have, um, we know about, and we know that are uh, are going to put us down? Remember, I'm, maybe before. Um, for instance, like I always like to say, the place that I was born in, I didn't live there very long, but the place I was born in was a beautiful place that had a lot of wealth. And my dad found all kinds of oil reserves in there by doing uh, some spelunking, as they, not spelunking, but uh, oh, he had a name for that, uh, uh, doodle bugging. They called it doodle bugging. It's kind of a weird little bug that they had on their hats, and they were called doodle buggers. And they would run around and, and punch holes in the ground and try to find, find oil deposits. And sure enough, the Venezuela found a lot of oil, and they became extremely rich. 
And then, instead of looking at the nations that went the way of, of Cuba and different things, they got taken over by those who now rule their country and put all of the people in poverty. If we don't learn from the lessons of the past, we are destined to repeat those. And I wrote that down in my, my notes. And I've kind of gone away from some of my notes, but I, I did write that down as part of what I wanted to bring today because I think it's a very important thing that we look at history. We think about the, the things that have gone on in history so that uh, we are aware, especially we definitely are aware of the prophetic things that potentially could come upon the world, but just the things that are natural, the family, it's being changed. We're, we're losing family. And so different things are, that are, are going on even in our own country that are going to make it very difficult for us we see the writing on the wall, as my thing has. So anyway, back to where we were at, and Daniel, Daniel takes this flippant attitude towards this guy because he's very, um, I think, very ignorant. God has already signed his death warrant. So then was the hand sent. Uh, so this was the part of the hand sent from him. And this writing, verse, verse 24, was written. And this is the writing that was written. Meany, meany, tekel, upharsin. And this is the interpretation of the thing. Meany, God has numbered your kingdom and it's finished. It's done. God has numbered your kingdom and it's finished. You are weighed in the balance and you are found wanting. Wow. Can you imagine standing there? This king still probably has some power, has some authority. Daniel said, you're, you're weighed in the balance and you are found wanting. And the, the Shepharsin actually is Ferez. And it's, uh, if you look it up and you go to the, the, you, this Shepharsin uh, uh, you, you or whatever, however that is up there, and you go in and you look on the uh, any Bible dictionary, anything. It actually means your kingdom is divided in giving to the Medes. It means to divide in in half, to d divide it up. And so it's been divided between the Medes and the Persians. And they've already lost. I mean, by the time Daniel says this, and this is written on there, they have already lost. And the battle that that um, his father was out battling, he was going to have to come back and sign the, the resignation, you know, just to give up. <laughs> so, then commanded Belshazzar, and they clothed Daniel with scarlet, put a chain of gold about his neck, made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. Wow, isn't that great? And that night was Belshazzar, the king of the Chaldeanian, uh, uh, Chaldeans slain. And Darius the Median took the kingdom being about 63, uh, 62 years old. That night, he died. That night. 
The prophecies were fulfilled and the kingdom fell. And it's interesting how Daniel's uh, reaction to this particular guy and his lack of understanding of history, his lack of all the things. Sometimes we see things as we read the Bible and we look at the world we live in and we wonder, is the writing on the wall? Is the writing there on the wall now? Is there things that, that are so obvious that the writing is on the wall that we could see it? I think one of the writings that's on the wall that, that, that's not being, that I think that's being ignored even in our own, this administration today is that, and I think Ken has mentioned it and others have mentioned it, is the repentance that needs to come into this nation. The repentance that this nation needs. You know, Jesus' first message, right when he came out of the battle with Satan, was repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And that was nearly 2,000 years ago. And it's closer than what it was before. The writing is definitely on the wall, but is anyone going to be able to interpret it when the day comes that the nations will bow down to the Antichrist? We hope that there will be a great repentance and they will seize things because the writing will be on the wall.